You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here is your host, it's Mr. Carl Stebbings. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 76 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. You do realise you played the wrong jingle there, don't you? Oh, did I? <laughs> did I play the wrong j- Oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Oh well. Poor Bert. Poor Bert. That's okay, we'll, we'll put that one on next week. So, welcome then to episode number 76 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me in my kitchen studio this week is my co-host Matt Smith. Hello. How are you? He's all right, yes. He's a bit, he's a bit sort of, um, I don't know what the word is, he's in a bit of a two and eight. I think it's uh, taking mother to the airport, um, or collecting her, sorry, I should say, yeah, from the been, airport, today. airport today. Mm-hmm. So I've been, I've been to Stansted. Unfortunately, really nothing to see at Stansted. It's a bit disappointing. You can't really see much landing apart from when you're on the M11, but uh, there we are. Lovely place to be. <laughs> But you've uh, you've had a, you had a good journey, a safe journey back. Yes, and, yes, uh, yes. But that's why I was a little bit late, which is why it's all been a bit of a mad thing. So apologies for the slightly late start. If you're watching on the magic of YouTube, um, but we are we are uh, cooking with gas now. So. Yes, welcome to our YouTube listeners, and we have in uh, the chat room at the moment. We've got uh, we did have Pilot Pip, but I think he's gone to do. Uh, well, uh, a child's birthday somewhere, <laughs> somewhere then. Uh, we've got Gareth E. Uh, hello, Gareth. We've got uh, Masha Gertz. Hello, Masha, in the Netherlands there. Uh, glad to see you've uh, managed to join us this afternoon. And uh, Buzz C150, hello to you. We don't know where you are, but mm. uh, I'm, I'm sure you're somewhere in the, in the on planet Earth. Well, obviously, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Extraterrestrial listeners. Excellent. And hello to Dan Hannington. Our, ah, yes. uh, our yeah. resident photographer down yeah, Hannington nowhere glamorous here. apparently today no he's in, no. He's in his, his house yeah he's fine so uh, yes uh, it's been a uh, fairly um, sort of not not too quiet but it's been a fairly sort of um, mm. quiet-ish week yes. this week on the aviation front there's still some uh, stories to cover this week we've got an update as well on the uh, Shoreham crash uh, oh, just good. an update uh, which we thought we'd bring you this week because this update has actually come from the AAIB, right, the yes. Air Accidents Investigation it's Bureau. Yep. So it's official. So we thought we'd bring that to you um, mm. later on as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a segment from Pilot Pip this Yay! week. Can you please know Pip? Uh, <laughs> Pip's back. He's uh, he's um, <clears throat> just finished putting together his and publishing his uh, React special in uh, well his special episode, ah. and uh, he had that on iTunes this week. Uh, to listen to, which I did right uh, this week, and uh, that's brilliant. Yeah, I, I've been back driving this week because obviously all the kids have gone back, so I haven't, yeah. I haven't got quite the time I had to listen to podcasts, which is a shame. But there we are. So now we'll be the holidays again before we know it. <laughs> so we had, uh, yeah, we had, we had uh, had Pip's uh, segment sent to us today, so we're mm. going to have that uh, on yes. the show for you to listen to later. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so for those of you in the chat room, hello again. I uh, hope you can all stay uh, for the entire show. That'd be great. Mm. You can also uh, let us Could know if anything day. happens mm. on the uh, feeds. Yes, that we might miss. Because once, once we get started, unfortunately, it's difficult to to look things up unless yes. we're warned. So. Mm. And forgive the crunching if Matt yeah. crunches. He's, <laughs> he's eating crisps. This is my lunch. I'm very That's sorry. his lunch, yeah. Mm. There we go. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> right, so we're going to start the show then, as we do each week, with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt. As ready as I'll ever be. Let's go.
So kicking off this week's first news story then on the Mail Online site. And the headline, EasyJet flight from London to Turkey is forced to divert after a misfired champagne cork... I'm sorry? ...caused <laughs> uh, oxygen masks to drop from the ceiling. So the plane was carrying British holidaymakers from, uh, uh, from, uh, to Turkey uh, in the Mediterranean. And uh, a flight attendant apparently fired the cork into the ceiling panels on the Airbus A320. Um, <laughs> the pilot... Uh, had to announce that the plane would divert to Milan uh, in Italy for repairs. So the flight, uh, which was uh, carrying dozens of uh, British holidaymakers, was forced to divert uh, because of the cork hitting the uh, overhead uh, compartment ceiling bits and making the oxygen masks deploy from uh, the overhead uh, ceiling parts. The plane, which was travelling from Gatwick to uh, Dalaman in Turkey, um, had to divert when the flight attendant accidentally fired the cork into the ceiling panels while opening the bottle of bubbly for passengers at the rear of the aircraft. Passengers were shocked when the pilot announced that the plane had to divert to Milan uh, in order to repair the damage. <laughs> Blimey. Um, the uh, two off-duty flight attendants were already drinking champagne when two passengers ordered a bottle to start their holiday celebrations early, uh, the Sun reported. After hitting the ceiling uh, panels, the cork caused the oxygen marks, uh, masks to drop above the cabin crew seats at the back of the Airbus A320. Flight EZY 8845 was halfway through its four-hour journey to the Mediterranean coast when the incident occurred. One passenger told the Sun, uh, pass, uh, the sun that passengers were stunned uh, over the reason for the unscheduled stop in Italy. The passenger said it was, wasn't very funny at the time, but I can see a lighter side now. All that hassle and delay and money wasted by EasyJet all over a champagne cork. Yes. Uh, the plane took off uh, after the damage was fixed and the plane refueled, but passengers arrived 5.30am, seven Ooh. hours, seven hours behind schedule. A spokesperson for EasyJet told the Mail Online Travel that uh, EasyJet can confirm that flight EZY8845 from London Gatwick to Dalaman on the 7th of August diverted to Milan Malpensa as a precautionary measure uh, due to a technical issue with the cabin crew oxygen masks. In line with safety procedures, the captain took the corrective decision to divert so that the cabin crew's oxygen masks could be reset. The flight continued uh, to Dalaman uh, one hour and seven minutes later. Once this has happened, um, passengers were provided with complimentary in-flight service whilst on the ground in Milan, Malpensa. Mm -hmm. The safety and well-being of passengers and crew is always EasyJet's highest priority, and we would like to apologise for the delay and any convenience, uh, inconvenience caused. Yesterday, a drunk female passenger, uh, earlier this week, uh, was arrested in, by Spanish police after she allegedly punched an EasyJet flight attendant what? while flying from Stansted to Ibiza. This, uh, the shocking incident caused the pilot of uh, flight EZY3043 to divert to Barcelona, where the woman was escorted uh, off the plane. A passenger said that even when she was in the police car, she was kicking and screaming. It was a shocking incident. The plane was delayed for around an hour and a half before flying on to Ibiza. So there we go. So we've gone from one incident to another there, but uh, obviously the initial one there with the champagne cork hitting the overhead um, panels there and bringing down the oxygen masks. Yeah. I mean, I mean they're they're on a, obviously a release system which is um, triggered can be triggered on the flight deck and also mm. obviously with it when a decompression situation happens, right. the, the masks are triggered automatically as well. Mm. 
Um, but um, you know there is a safety issue, and, and I can see why the pilot chose to divert, you know, yeah. land to reset these masks. Um, obviously, reading the, the story, it, it does sort of make it sound like the entire aircraft's yeah. masks yeah. fell yeah. down. Yeah. But this was just a crew, um, just the one section, at the right. rear, okay. rear of the aircraft. Yeah. But couldn't it not be just reset by some? Can you not? I mean, no. They 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 have a kind of system where when the masks deploy, yeah. they they have a. a a kind of pin system thing, I right. think, as such. Pip will probably be out to uh, yes. say this better. But when this is triggered, the oxygen is released there and then uh, into the mask for obviously you to breathe. Um, so obviously, when this happened, mm. the, the oxygen was being produced, and and, right. and they obviously need to replenish those systems, reset them, right. and uh, put them back, you know, into service with the aircraft. But. Oh, gosh. Um, but at least uh, I've never that's one, one a story I've never seen before. Mm, uh, no, a champagne cork causing Ca- causing, uh, causing ca- that flight chaos. chaos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's very very strange. Anyway, on to the next story. And as usual, story number two always involves Ryanair when it's my go. I don't know quite why, uh, <laughs> but uh, there we go. So um, the uh, the website is traveldailynews.com, and the headline is um, Ryanair receives the most compensation claims for delayed and cancelled flights, says website refund.me. Manchester Passengers Rights Service Provider refund.me has revealed that 7% of all claims it processes for compensation under EU 261-2004 for delayed and cancelled flights are lodged against Ryanair. The data is drawn from an analysis of several tens of thousands of claims it has assisted disgruntled passengers with against 340 airlines over the past uh, three years. Uh, Eve um, Butcher, the founder and CEO of RefundMe, comments Ryanair has repeatedly expressed its resentment of EU regulation 261-2004, often not respecting both the regulation and its customers. There's a shock. We represent numerous clients who initially filed compensation claims against um, uh, directly with Ryanair but found that they didn't get very far. Passengers who file cases directly often remain uncompensated even when presenting a valid legal case and this despite being charged a compensation surcharge when booking for their ticket. Despite trying to wriggle out of paying compensation where due, Ryanair adds a compulsory surcharge on each ticket sale to offset potential compensation claims. The Ryanair EU261 compensation levy introduced in April 2011 imposed a £2 and a €2 levy per passenger to fund the cost of potential payouts. The airline increased the levy to uh, £2.50 and €2.5 in 2013. Approximately 323 million passengers have flown with Ryanair since the introduction of its EU261 surcharge, with potential receipts reaching an estimated €845 million for the airline. Under EU 261-2004, passengers have the right to claim compensation for flight delays and cancellations, not due to force majeure uh, or extraordinary circumstances. Compensation varies according to the nature and duration of the travel disruption. Under UK-British law, passengers have six years to file a claim. 
Ryanair has sought to limit the time uh, the, sought to limit the time to file a compensation to two years by adding a clause in its booking terms and conditions. Last week, Manchester, a Manchester court ruled the airline's terms inval- invalid and upheld the rights of British passengers to claim under the six-year rule, reversing a lower court order in Ryanair's favour, limiting the claim timeline to two years as stated in its terms and conditions. Whilst some legal experts suggest this decision will affect some 2.2 million passengers uh, who would now pay, who would now lay a claim to £610 million in compensation, Ryanair has stated that its maximum exposure for potential claims is likely to be less than €5 million, Euros, or £3.6 million. Ryanair also said it will appeal against the decision. Though many airlines refuse to abide by passenger rights regulation, Ryanair is consistently the most obstinate and uh, customer unfriendly. Uh, This despite a huge claim, obviously, um, that that they're to the contrary now. But uh, this might lead to a new way to look at your favourite airline. It's not just about the legroom or size of the overhead bin. It's more and more about how they treat passengers when it comes to their rights. At refund.me... We are determined to ensure clients can assert their rights against Ryanair, concludes Eve Buchner. Well, I can't say I'm surprised. (laughs) I mean, all these claims, I mean, it's not Ryanair, not the only airline that has claims going against them, but uh, I think they're they're unfortunate they do get rather a lot of claims. It'll be Mm. interesting to see just how many um, claims like this EasyJet have. Yes. Uh, in, the, in the course of mm. a, a I dare year. say if we asked to refund Dr. Me, they would probably tell they us. probably could do, yes. Yeah. It might be, yeah. worth, it might be worth pinging a little bit. And I wonder how across. easy it is to um, file a claim with Ryanair. I wonder how... how oh, I dare say it's takes. a very hidden location on mm. their website somewhere where, you, where mm. you can do it. I did once have them hand out a form to me once because uh, we weren't able to take off because of snow conditions. And uh, I remember them giving me a form to fill out because the flight basically just got cancelled because mm. it couldn't get get anywhere. And uh, I mean, as I say, I just I was lucky enough because I realised that it was going to happen. So I I sort of sneakily went off and booked myself a hotel room before anyone else realised. So uh, I was quite handy. Actually, speaking of Ryanair, I should just mention because Mum's flown back with oh, me yeah. this morning. Um, literally this morning, she landed at f- uh, eleven minutes past she ten this to? morning. She just just to Northern Ireland, just oh, to Northern go and visit, yeah, just okay. go and visit Auntie. Um, but uh, she's just come home, and um, they're about to take off. Um, they then started their approach onto the runway down the taxi taxiway, and then a gentleman who wasn't um, a member of crew shot down to the front of the aeroplane, like literally ran down the gangway, stopped. Uh, had a word with a cabin crew. There was a, a, a very brief heated exchange, and the plane was turned round and taken back to the terminal building, where he alighted. Uh, they let him off, um, and obviously the flight was delayed. And all they said, basically, over the tannoy, was that um, the gentleman was not happy to fly with us any longer. <laughs> So we don't okay. really know quite well. Well, the trouble is, his mum, <laughs> mum quite rightly said that's all very well, but we're all sitting there thinking, well, what does he know that we don't? Why, why isn't he happy to fly on this plane anymore? I mean, it might have been a family emergency or something like that. So why they didn't choose to perhaps just say, you know, the gentleman has just got off due to a family emergency without giving any personal details oh, yeah, 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 away yeah. or whatever. But of course, suddenly everybody on the plane, I mean, <laughs> mum was saying she was sitting there in the seat looking to her left and looking to her right and trying to work out... Um, 
you know, sort of like, why well, is he the, wants to go? Yeah, is this something that we need to be worried about? Is everything okay? <laughs> and then it took off, uh, and and uh, they still arrived. Um, well, as I say, as you know, they were de- they delayed, were delayed yeah. uh, arriving at Stansted, but th- but that was why. Yeah. Uh, just all very strange. That's very strange. Very strange indeed. <laughs> but I didn't think you could do that unless you had an extremely valid reason to stop. Because presumably, once you once you've, I mean, I, I suppose it's only because it was a domestic flight. Mm. Um, perhaps the rules are slightly more lackadaisical than if you were going going sort of back in. But you can't normally just get off the plane, can you? You know, of course they'll have, they'd have lost their slot at, at um, yeah, lost their slot. Yeah, it's, yeah, but it's more fuel as well they're using as well. Mm, yeah, absolutely taxiing by taxiing back. up and down. So quite what was going on there, right? Uh, more information is required, yeah. I think. But uh, <laughs> it's Ryanair, so we're not going to get it. Uh. <laughs> uh, just looking on our Facebook feed yes. uh, on Plain Talking UK podcast Facebook, and yeah. uh, Matty Fab uh, has just uh, posted mm. on there that uh, good luck with the show. He's just completed his uh, solo QXC. So he won't be able He'd to say get what back now? in time. Explain to me what that is. <laughs> you, you ask a me question now. Oh, okay. I have. <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, hey, Matt, uh, Matty Fab is is by far a lot more uh, advanced and progressed right. than um, than I am in in the flying thing. Mm. Um, but um, I, I have no idea. I think it's a qualifying cro- uh, cross country solo. Oh, blimey. Yeah, it is a qualifying. Oh, yeah, it's a bit terrifying. Yes, it is a qualifying. It's his first qualifying cross country solo. So well okay. done, Matty Fab. Yeah, absolutely. On your uh, solo cross country, mm. um, I've got that yet to come. I've got to pass my <laughs> um, my uh, yeah my uh, my head's all gone. Oh, Funny now, I've got to uh, pass my navigation exam first before I can do that. So uh, yes, that's coming up soon, no doubt. So moving on then to our next story. Ooh, Hello, actually, to- hang on. Uh, sorry, sorry. Um, Buzz has just said, uh, sorry Buzz, I'm calling you Buzz because I don't really know what your name your name really is. He says, uh, uh, I think I'm right in saying that a passenger has the right to leave the aircraft at any point until um, until the plane um, gets uh, gets to the runway. So as long as it's still in the taxi thing, he can... Hmm. That's interesting. Interesting. Yes, Perhaps anyway. Pip would know that. Yes, Pip would know that. Yes. Anyway, thanks for that, Buzz. Yes, thanks, Buzz. And uh, where are you, Buzz? Tell us where you are. Yes, yes. I want to know where you are, Buzz. Right, next story is on the BBC News mm. website. And the uh, the uh, headline, Impounded Aircraft Flies Out of Former Plymouth Airport. Ooh. A pilot who had his vintage aircraft impounded after an emergency landing three weeks ago has flown home. Martin Fierid made the precautionary landing at the former Plymouth Airport site on the 9th of August. The site's leaseholder, Sutton Harbour Holdings, SHH, said it was an act of trespass and refused to allow the plane to leave, citing safety reasons. <laughs> an agreement was uh, reached after assurances about liability insurance and the plane's airworthiness. Mr Ferrid, an experienced pilot and instructor, said he was uh, relieved the matter had been resolved. Uh, glad to have the airplane back and glad this saga is over, he told the BBC News. There's one good bit that's come out of, of all of it, uh, because I don't think anyone else can take this stance again in an emergency situation. Mr Ferrid was en route to Cornwall, or from Cornwall to uh, Kent in his Jodel uh, registered Golf Alpha X-Ray Sierra uniform. When the de- uh, deteriorating weather forced him to land, obviously he's flying VFR, mm. and uh, he wasn't. Uh, he did, his aircraft is not That's obviously visual IFR. flight rules. It, it is, yes. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, the aircraft. I don't think the aircraft is flying was uh, was set up for IFR flying. 
Um, his actions were in line with the Civil Aviation Authority approved Strasser scheme endorsed mm-hmm. by 98% of UK airfields. SHH had previously insisted the plane could only be removed by road and concrete blocks were placed in front of the aircraft. There's <laughs> a picture actually on this website. Oh, there is, yeah. Hang on, hang on. Matt will put that yeah. uh, on, the, uh, on the YouTube yeah. display so you, you can go. see that one. So there's, there's a That's picture of the pretty. aircraft in, in question <laughs> with a concrete block placed in front so the guy can't move it, which is yeah. really, Seems really a bit harsh. Just, just pathetic. <laughs> yeah, it's got a nice palette underneath it and everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, however, the uh, f- following the intervention of the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association, AOPA, uh, and Charles Strasser, the founder of the Strasser scheme. An agreement was reached. The company confirmed the aircraft had left the former airport site safely just before 11.30 British Standard Time. Our positions throughout this matter has been quite clear, and and, uh, in that, as a responsible company, we have to be satisfied that any decision we made uh, ensured that this aircraft was able to leave safely, a statement said. And there's no more to that story, but I mean, oh God, I mean, that's, I mean, the guy had an emergency, he landed hmm. at an airport, um, and you know, they, they decided the airport decided to impound the aircraft. As you do, yeah. as you do. I think yeah. that's um, a little bit, it's a bit rude, uh, isn't it? Well, yes. a little bit too uh, much, I think. Buzz is actually Pip, by the way. Oh, Buzz is Pip. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So Pip is in, in the chat room. He's yes. uh, logged in as, yes. as Buzz C150. Oh, yes. mine is Cessna150. Buzz Cessna150. I see oh, it, Pip. I see. Right. Okay. I've, I've worked that one out. Okay, well done. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. So so, so he has he has finally been able to leave, then, isn't he? Yeah, he's, yeah, got, he's last, got his yeah. aircraft back. Yeah. So that's good. That's good. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. I should, I, well, I, I'd have been incredibly miffed. I just <laughs> think, I just think you know, if, if you have an emergency, you know, mm. you're landing at an airport that's not your own. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you, you'd expect to be welcomed with open arms. Well, you know, uh, at least be treated according, yeah. in accordance yeah. with the rules and regulations not, of our fair, fair land. <laughs> Absolutely. That's just ridiculous. Oh, dear, that's not... So moving on, not next story. Good. Yes, indeed. Our, our next story is... Uh, he says he's playing with the camera, sorry. Uh, it is uh, Travel Weekly. Uh, and... Oh, it's a Ryanair story. There's a shock. Uh, Ryanair records peak performance in August. Peak summer traffic soared at Ryanair with August passengers' numbers up by 10% to a record 10.4 million the budget carriers load factor also increased by two percentage points to 95 percent over the same month last year the august numbers mean that the budget carriers uh, annual uh, carryings are up by 15 percent to 96.3 million chief marketing officer, Ken- officer kenny jacobs said these record monthly f- numbers and load factors are due to our lowest uh, to our low affairs our stronger forward bookings and the continuing success of our always getting better. It's funny, isn't it? You read one story and it comes out with one thing and then you read another one and it's totally different. But anyway, our always getting better customer experience program, which is clearly very successful, which continues to deliver stronger than expected traffic and load factors on our biggest ever summer schedule. Ryanair customers can look forward to more service enhancements in the autumn as they can as we continue uh, year two of our always getting better program which include our new car hire service now we covered this last week didn't we, we did, um, yeah. a, a new website new app new cabin interiors uh, new crew uniforms and improved in-flight menus as Ryanair continues to deliver so much more than just the lowest fares in Europe 
Mm. It is. It's a. It's a conflicting story, isn't it? It's, uh, on the one hand, they're uh, they're being berated for uh, you know not sticking to EU rules and regulations with regard to flight times. And uh, I just delays. wonder, Matt. We cover these stories so frequently on the mm. show. I wonder how these increase, how long these increases are going to go on for. You know, are we going to keep seeing, mm. you know, Ryanair and EasyJet posting these increases in passenger numbers yeah. throughout the year and into next year? Yeah, because it seems yeah we're we're coming off the end of a. Of a well, a recession. Yes. Yeah. Um, but you know, these Ryanair and EasyJet are still, mm. still yeah, loads of people travelling. But I on. think it's because more and more people are choosing to actually fly um, rather than go by road or, or, or bus. Mm. I mean, it's. Like, I mean, we're. I was well, hoping hopefully not by bus or coach. Well, no, no. The thing is, is if you're going to Scotland or somewhere like that, I mean, it is such a long long bus journey or if you're driving it's such a long car journey um you know we're talking about going to scotland because uh, i've got um, a very good friend who lives in scotland well a couple of good friends now chris and um and uh, fraser and uh yeah I- i'm really desperate to go but i just i just can't face the drive because you're looking at nine hours aren't you <laughs> but in a plane it's sort of you know an hour an hour and a bit well you know? Ed- Ed- uh, Stansted to edinburgh is around mm. about 50 55 minutes Yes, mm. yeah, it is so yeah. quick. It is uh, well, and it's, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? You, why, why would you, uh, why would you drive and put yourself through all that? You've got the risk of the car not making it. You know, <laughs> certainly in my case. <laughs> Pip, Pip's just, uh, Pip's just, but he's just nipping out. He'll be back in late. He's just going Ooh, to uh, kids party time. Kids party time. Mm, lovely. Good luck with that car. <laughs> well done. Well he's well done, literally my worst nightmare, by the way. I don't know. I mean, I suppose it's a lot easier if one of the children is your own. I guess you feel inclined to. <laughs> You know, to, entertain. To, to entertain. <laughs> so next story, moving on then, on the Manchester Evening yes. News. And the headline, record August for budget carrier EasyJet. Ah, oh, good follow on. Do you know, it's almost like you planned this. I don't know why, <laughs> how I do this. Sort of. No, neither do I. So I've s- seen your methods. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Always a pleasure. Never a chore. No, indeed. 7.1. I'll just eat crisps now, shall you I? You eat crisps. <laughs> 7.1 million holidaymakers flew with airline uh, with the airline EasyJet, helping it to notch up a record August. Uh, holidaymakers jetting off to take advantage of the strong pound and escape last month's rain helped EasyJet notch up a record August, and it's set to see the airline deliver better than expected profits. The no-frills carrier said it flew 7.1 million passengers last month after a surge of late booking as Britons headed off for beach destinations and city destinations across Europe, boosted by the strength of the pound against the euro. Mm. EasyJet, which flies to 41 destinations from Manchester Airport, uh, upped its annual profit outlook for, uh, to between £675 million and £700 million for the year to September the 30th, after a bumper August performance, which is set to see the group post its fifth year in a row of record annual pre-tax profits. The group was previously expected to report profits of between £620 and £660 million. Paul Moore, spokesman for EasyJet, said that people have realised that the strong pound against the euro is really making their money go further on holiday. And the most popular destinations for sun seekers were Malaga, Alicante, Faro and Parma, while Barcelona was also a top pick for those looking for a city and beach experience, according to EasyJet. The pound has surged against the euro over the past year due to economic woes across Europe and expectations of an interest rate hike in the UK. In currency markets, sterling is worth around 1.36 euros at today's prices, having reached as high as 1.44 euros in the past year. 
So that's good news for EasyJet. Obviously, they rolled out their new branding on their aircraft um, mm. early this year. Um, yes. And, and it does look very smart. Removing the dot .com mm. from their EasyJet logo. Yeah. In fact, actually, if you just give me two seconds, I should Matt will just, yeah, Matt will just pop that on there to... Yeah, that, 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 I, I like. It. I like the new logo. I, mm. I do like the new logo. Yeah, I, but you, you know, you know, what I'm like. I like, I like things that are clean <laughs> where they're not too busy. You know, I, I, it's like websites and things. I don't like them if they're too busy. No, I think. Yes. Mm. But it's good. It's good to see that um, that they're posting profits as mm. well as uh, as Matt's favourite Ryanair. So my my favourite. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> that should be their jingle <laughs> yeah, on yeah. Uh, Ryanair. I'm sorry, what? Matt, yeah. Matt's favourite airline, <laughs> Ryanair. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, indeed. I've left you. I've left you a good story, Nick. Have you? Okay, good, lovely. So on to the next story, uh, and uh, the he- it's on the CH Aviation website, and the headline is EasyJet considers interlining with long haul carriers. Mm, this is quite cool. Uh, EasyJet um, Chief Executive Officer Carolyn McCall says that her airline. Try that again, shall we? EasyJet Chief Executive Officer Caroline McCall says her her airline. Why is her and her her hairline? No, her airline uh, has held discussions with various mainline long haul operators over the possibility of interlining agreements. Many airlines have approached us about feeder flights, she told uh, the Frankfurter uh, Alijan and I can't really pronounce it. I'm very sorry. Uh, anyway, somewhere in Frankfurt. Uh, uh, if it's workable and pragmatic, uh, then we are absolutely ready to go ahead. Whilst uh, McCall did not disclose their name, she described the talks as very interesting and constructive. The announcement echoes a similar disclosure made by Ryanair uh, CEO Michael O'Leary last month, in which he confirmed the Irish LCC, low-cost carrier, I presume, had held talks with a number of carriers to feed Ryanair short-haul traffic into their European long-haul hubs. Along the carriers, uh, among the uh, carriers approached by Ryanair included Aer Lingus uh, concerning feed into its Dublin International Hub, um, TAP Portugal, and its uh, li- uh, and its Lisbon Hub, and Norwegian and Virgin Atlantic concerning their London Gatwick base operations. So that's quite interesting. Yes, sorry, I was miles away there. Were you? Okay. Yes, sorry. I, I was busy looking at a news feed on another site there. Oh, really? Why, what have you found? Anything exciting? No, there's uh, some news we might have to bring up at the end of the oh, show. Okay. Yeah. Oh, right. Oh, dear. Mm. All good, I hope. I <laughs> know. Oh, uh, so just looking at, just scroll mm. down that uh, page, Matt. Mm. That aircraft on the picture there in question on that yep. particular story, mm-hmm. if you look, that's the 250th A320 there we go. Um, I'll just put it up on on YouTube for people to see now. Oh, I see. Yes, with the two hundred and fifty yeah. on the on the fuselage there. Yeah. Yes, it's two two fifty everywhere, isn't it? Oh, yeah, that's quite yeah. cool. Yeah, see that now. I like that as well. I like that. No, I I, I, I know. I do like it, I, and I like I like the little the just the underneath. What's these? Are they the little? They're like sort of shark fins, aren't they? They're like um, they look like rudders almost underneath. What what do you call those on the underbelly of the wing that are painted orange? <laughs> Don't give me that look. I'm asking. <laughs> give me that look. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I have to ask. But you it, don't know. I should oh, thank know, goodness really. for that. I know. There's some things in life that I just... I, I know what they are, but I just don't know what they are in my head. Right, okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Anyway. I uh, know most things. Well, they can see it on YouTube. So if anybody in the chat room knows, um, <laughs> then please uh, put both of us out of our misery then. But oh, I, God. I, I, where I, I was going was is it look, the way that they've two-toned it. Mm. It looks really nice. with yeah. the, with, It sort of ties it all in very nicely. So. But a lot of airlines now... I presume it's for streamlining purposes, but... Um, 
lot of airlines yeah. now, when they have these these big milestone deliveries, have yes. the uh, numbers on the sides of the aircraft. Norwegian had theirs mm. uh, on their seven three seven eight hundred. They've got yeah. um, with I think it was the seven hundredth seven three seven eight hundred delivered to Norwegian, yeah. and uh, it's good. I think it's good when they do that because yeah, when absolutely. you go on this aircraft yeah. as a passenger, at least you can say I have been on, on the two hundred fiftieth Airbus, uh, unless they're like you and you remember the call sign of the aircraft. Of course, uh, what's this one? This one is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, that's actually in the delivery. Uh, that's a delivery reg- registration. On this oh, is it the yeah, D dash A yeah. Alpha Victor Victor Lima? Mm. Um, that one is actually. If you look on the, underneath the wing, that one's Golf e- uh, Golf Echo Zulu Oscar Lima. That one. All right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Right. So moving on to Indeed. our yes. next story. Indeed. Grab the mouse there. There we go. Yes. And this one on the Business Traveller site, and mm. uh, the headline: United to fly the seven eight seven dash nine between Heathrow and Los Angeles. United Airlines will add a Boeing 787-9 on its uh, daily London Heathrow Los Angeles service next year. They're flat fairings, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Who was that? <laughs> Thanks, Masha. Yeah. <laughs> Ten is in the post. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the I'm dream- so embarrassed. I know. I'm, I'm going to just... I'm going to just I'm going careers, to away. Our careers are over, aren't they? <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm just going to go now. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> and breathe. The <laughs> the dr- these live shows are so good. The Dreamliner, which is configured in three classes with forty-eight seats in business and uh, first, and eighty-eight seats in economy plus, and one hundred and sixteen seats in United Economy, will join the route on April the sixth next year. The outbound service uh, UA935 departs London Heathrow at 10.35 in the morning here and arrives in LAX, or Los Angeles, at uh, 13.50 in the afternoon, while the return flight UA934 leaves Los Angeles at uh, quarter to six in the evening and lands in London at quarter past twelve in the afternoon the next day. The carrier currently flies the Boeing 787-9 on two daily flights between Heathrow and Houston. Bob Schumacher, United's Managing Director of Sales in the UK and Ireland, said that we are excited to introduce the 787-9 Dreamliner on our non-stop London Heathrow Los Angeles service. This will be our third Dreamliner flying from Heathrow as we already operate two 787-8s on our Houston route. United added uh, Boeing 787-9 aircraft onto six new routes out of Houston from uh, this summer. Uh, so that's really good news for um, for United, and all, also good news as well for Boeing. Beginning, this mm. is uh, this is good promo for them, you know. Very much um, so. With airlines obviously taking uh, the Dash Nine, which is slightly bigger than the Dash Eight, slightly yes. longer, uh, and putting them onto uh, these long haul routes from the UK to the States. Mm. Oh, we really need to go across to the States. Oh, don't don't. Uh, if anyone, I, I, I want to go. If, if nothing else, I want to go just to feel thin. Really. <laughs> well, I, I, <laughs> I, d- I just want to go. The hate you, mail's now in I'd the post. Hate the post. Yeah, oh, terrible man, you. The, uh, the I, I just want to go to the states just so I can get, you know, try a Dreamliner. Really, yeah. basically, mm. I, I just want to try the Dreamliner experience. Mm. If anyone in the chat room's um, been on board or flown on the Dreamliner, mm. please do, yeah, uh, do let us know Absolutely. what that's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So moving on to yes, our next story. Indeed, yes, uh, yes, our next story, uh, and it's on the City AM website. And the headline is Heathrow is London's best airport and Stansted and Luton the worst based on 17,000 customer reviews. Oh dear, this doesn't, uh, this doesn't bode well for our local long-haul airport. 
Um, it's uh, sorry, it's a big picture on the screen. One moment. Uh, Heathrow is the darling amongst London airports, according to an analysis of over seventeen thousand user reviews, in which Luton and Stansted both came out bottom. With the looming risk of frustrating delays, long security queues or panicky jogs to find uh, the right gate, uh, spending much time in any airport is rarely much fun. But depending on what airport you're flying from, the experience could vary wildly. A ranking of airports uh, around the world has two London airports hitting the top 20, but another two in the bottom 10. Oh dear, or at least it's bottom 10 rather than bottom 20, I suppose. Uh, reveals blog um, price, price economics uh, analysis of thousands of user reviews of 71 major airports on rating site Skytrax. Uh, and actually, to be fair, Skytrax would be a very reliable source mm. of, of, of regular flyers, actually, wouldn't it? Um, with an average rating of 4.9 out of 10, Heathrow was ranked 16, the 16th best airport in the world. London City Airport is hot on its heels with a rating of 4.7. At the other end of the scale, Luton Airport and Stansted were ranked 5th and 6th worst based on customer reviews, with long queues dragging Stansted's rating down. Especially now, that's, this is a recent problem, isn't it, with long problem, long delays at security, which is really damaging Stansted's reputation, it has to be said. Um, no UK airport can hold a candle to Singapore's Shanghai airport, however. At 7.1 out of 10, it's the finest airport in the world, according to Skytrax data, with at least one reviewer positively waxing lyrical about their experience. Uh, one example given here is absolutely superb, like a five-star experience or hotel. The security staff are so polite, everything is first class here. Can you imagine here in the UK, security staff being polite? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I've had some good experiences with the security staff at, um, at Stansted and Gatwick before. They've been fairly jovial, mm. um, especially, yeah. when I, especially when I go through the um, the scan at the, the, at the metal detecting archway. And I've got my um, aircraft seatbelt mm. belt that I have, right? Yes. Which I do, I do take <laughs> yeah, off. Yeah. To be fair, yeah. I do take off before I go through. But they do tend to, when you when you put the things in the tray, you put your laptop yeah. in the tray, those plastic trays. Yeah. And I obviously put my uh, watch and my rings yes, and yes. stuff in. And there. if I know you, you'll put you'll put your little buckle, belt, sort of, yes. your, your, the buckle of your belt, uh, in prime location for well, all to see. <laughs> one of the one of the, I remember one of the security staff at Stans had looked looked at my belt um, about a year ago when we flew out, and uh, they were quite bemused as to why I'd got a, a, a seat, an aircraft seat belt. Um, <laughs> yes, I bet. Yeah. A belt. Mm. Um, but uh, it's got the Boeing logo on, so mm. it is okay. It's safe. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, yeah. Now the next story here. This is quite interesting, actually, isn't it? Because mm. you've probably seen this in the news this week. But um, yeah, this is this is. I, I don't know. I, I guess if I'm honest, it's good news, isn't it? But, um, mm. Yeah, yeah. So the story then uh, on Flight Global, mm. um, who, who coincidentally Flight Global, we do get quite a lot of our stories from their website. Mm. Um, they are an awesome uh, website. Mm. They've just updated their website. It's mm. a whole brand new shiny website mm. on flightglobal.com. So check out their website. But this story on Flight Global site, and this is regarding MH370. And uh, the headline, Drift Model Places Flapperon in the East Indian Ocean. So German oceano uh, oceanographic analysis indicates that the aircraft component uh, which was washed up on reunion in July, probably originated from the eastern equatorial Indian Ocean. 
The analysis lends weight to the suspicion that the flapperon component, a section of the wing's flight control surface, was part of the missing Malaysian Airlines Boeing 777, which disappeared in March last year. But the GMR Helmholtz Centre for Ocean Research, based in Kiel, cautions that there are very large uncertainties which would work against attempts to narrow the area further. Oceanographers from Genomar have um, attempted to model the drift of the components using uh, computers supported by observational data. The modelling was involved reverse tracking nearly 2 million virtual particles across the 16 months between flight MH370 disappearance and the discovery of the flapperon. Possible uh, origination points of the flapperon calculated by the model extend from the western coast of Sumatra and Java. The results show that the crash site could be found further north than previously thought, the organisation uh, states. All the virtual particles that were traced to an area uh, at quad of latitude 30 degrees south are findings, which will therefore show that the ongoing search in southwest of Australia might be too far south, says GMR's Jonathan Duragdu. But the organisation adds that while the model is uh, consistent with previous communications analysis, which put MH370's location in the, east, uh, in the in eastern Indian Ocean, the scale of the uncertainty makes uh, localising the site difficult. GMR states that additional MH370 debris would need uh, be needed to generate more precise information. It adds that it will, uh, ex intends to explore a possible refinement of the analysis by examining wind and wave data. This is something we we, we chatted about a few weeks back, didn't mm. we? About you know whether they could um, track the or go back in time and track the currents mm. and the and the winds and stuff. Yeah. But I mean that is that they'll need a massively massive huge mm. supercomputer to to pro you know process all that yeah. information, you know tidal currents, wind, temperatures, you know and and weather, you know if any of this this uh, debris was floating, you know it could be. Yeah, I, and it, I mean it isn't good news, is it? There's there's. But at least I guess it's for those that for the, for the you know this awful tragedy. These people that are are very much involved in all this. At least they have some form of closure. I guess. I mean, that's the way of. Uh that's why I, I say trying to put a positive spin on an awful story. Really, at least it, uh, it would be nice to mm. uh, for, for you know for this for the wreckage to be found. Do you, do you think they'll ever find it? Oh, I don't know, man. No. It, it's, it's, it's such a, it's a huge ocean. Mm. Yeah, a huge ocean, and and the ships that mm. have been searching, although they are huge ships, you know, yeah. it's just a, such a wide expanse of ocean to cover, yeah. and it's a depth as well. You know, this yeah. is, this is one one heck of a deep ocean. It is, that yeah. They're, um, they're, they're searching. Yeah, there's no two ways about it. But um, so moving on. Yes, indeed, uh, and and a slightly scary picture. Actually, I think uh, wow. I ought to before I get to, too carried away. I ought to make sure I show that to you actually before I get stuck in. Um, but that'll give you an idea of the uh, actual <laughs> the actual story. This is on the Manchester Evening News website, and uh, the headline um, is as uh, a monster cargo uh, plane ascends. Uh, onto Manchester Airport. And you can just see from the photo there, it's uh, a huge carrier has just sort of landed basically in line of a plane that, by the look of it, was about to take off, um, which is a tad worrying. <laughs> but, I, think, uh, <laughs> I think that's a deceptive picture. I think. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. I think that's probably the, uh, the I think that's an Air France uh, oh, okay. Airbus 320 there, okay. is uh, on the taxiway, waiting to depart. 
okay. after this um, huge. It is a beast. It has beast to be lands. Said. Yeah. But oh, I see. I, I need to read it. A bit I'm so sorry. I've, <laughs> I've excited everyone unnecessarily here, haven't I? Uh, but uh, yes. So it is. Uh, Plane spotters descended uh, on. Um, Sorry, I'm just having a slight technical glitch there. There we go. Uh, plane spotters descended on Manchester Airport's viewing platforms this afternoon to get a view of a beast of the skies. It does really look like it's about to land in Finland. <laughs> anyway, uh, the Antonov AN124, a Ukrainian cargo plane, landed at the country's third biggest hub ahead of a flight to Iraq to deliver fire trucks. Wow. <laughs> That's quite scary. The flight, organised by Ability with Innovation Contractors, drew a, uh, drew a big crowd to uh, uh, the runway's visitor park. Um, the monster aircraft, which isn't quite as mammoth as its big brother, the Antonov 225, uh, touched down on the runway, uh, watched by hundreds of avid fans. Its its way in was monitored on Twitter by excited followers. Designed by the Antonov Design Bureau in the Ukraine, um, it's the forerunner for the Antonov and AN two two five. First flown in nineteen eighty two, the production of the the model was stopped last August, reportedly due to political tensions between Russia, Russia and Ukraine. Uh, it is used for carrying oversized cargo. The aircraft, which came in from Dubai, is due out again tomorrow evening at uh, 7 o'clock. That, that, was that yesterday? I can't remember. I, mean, I can't see the, the date. Um, that was earlier yeah. this week, yeah. Yeah, earlier yeah. this week. But uh, it really is a bit of a beast here. So uh, the few little bits and stats on this mm. aircraft, because it is, yeah. as we said, a huge aircraft. Not quite as big as the 225, but it's still no. quite a big aircraft. Big enough. Um, so the Antonov uh, AN124 Ruslan, mm. it's designated Ruslan, R-U-S-L-A-N, Ruslan. And uh, this particular aircraft has a crew of four to six in, mm. on the flight deck. You've got a pilot, co-pilot, navigator, mm. senior flight engineer, flight engineer, mm. radio man, mm. and two loadmasters who mm. obviously coordinate the loading of yeah. the aircraft. Um, it can take 88 passengers uh, on uh, the upper upper deck, yeah. um, but it also has space for 350 palletized um, kind of a palletized seating system, mm. so it can carry more. Uh, it can carry a payload of 150,000 kilograms Gosh. on this aircraft, and has a wingspan. I don't know how long your uh, coach is in meters, Matt. At 12 and a half. Uh, it has a wingspan of 73. Point three meters. Oh, good lord! So it's fairly, fairly <laughs> wide, <laughs> huge. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Actually, Dan, Dan's just said in the old chat room here: Is it have have either of us ever been to the the viewing gallery at Manchester? No, we haven't. I haven't. No, mm. Dan. No. I have, but it was many, 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 many years ago, and I don't suppose it was anywhere near as good as it is now. But um, yeah, if you if you have been, I'd love to. Uh, hear about it it sounds quite fascinating they used to have something similar at um, Gatwick didn't they many years, oh, many ago. years ago Heathrow yeah. used to have a very good mm. beer but Gatwick. I don't think that's Heathrow. there anymore is it no no, no. no. bit of a shame yes ah. so moving on next Indeed. story yes next story and the next story is on Flight Global site and uh, good news for Boeing because mm. uh, Jet 2 budget carrier Jet 2 has signed an order with Boeing for 27 737-800 aircraft worth around $2.6 billion at list price. The deal marks the carrier's first uh, direct order with Boeing 
says the air framer in a statement. Today's order for 27 additional uh, 737-800 NGs will be uh, delivered over the next two years and will provide Jet2.com with the necessary cost-effective, reliable and comfortable environment to allow us to build upon our already highly successful family-friendly business, says Jet2 Executive Chairman Philip Meeson. We are currently pleased and extremely happy to have finalised this order for more of what has already proved to be a popular aircraft within our fleet. Jet2 says the new aircraft uh, will be used to address the anticipated growth of its leisure travel business and for fleet replacement deliveries uh, as well, which of the 27 aircraft are going to take place between September uh, 2016 and April 2018. Uh, Flight Global's Ascend Fleet's database uh, shows Jet2 operates 59 aircraft. Its fleet includes uh, uh, 46 737s, uh, 12 757-200s and a single Airbus A320. And uh, Jet2 uh, have their operating bases in quite a lot of different uh, places around. They've got their uh, operating bases in Alicante, Belfast, East Midlands, Edinburgh, Glasgow, Leeds, Bradford. Uh, Leeds, Bradford being their headquarters at Leeds, Bradford, uh, Manchester and Newcastle. Wow. And uh, their company slogan is Friendly Low Fares. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're also a parent company is the Dart Group PLC. I wonder whether that's got anything to do with Dartford, as in the tunnel. Oh, I don't know. Um, but Jet2 um, have, uh, in the past, they've actually had uh, BAE 146s as well mm. in their fleet um, yeah. many moons ago. Um, and they also had six Airbus A300s, um, which were drawn in 2002. I didn't know that. Gosh. Um, but they're obviously going to increase their fleet of 737-800, so they'll, well, blimey, they'll be uh, following in Ryanair's footsteps yeah, here with all these uh, Dash 8s. Yeah, it's all good, isn't it? So moving on to the next story. Indeed, and the next story is, uh, sorry, I've just had a slight technical problem that I was dealing with there, oh. apologies. Flight Global uh, is, the, uh, is the website again, and the headline is American to debut new heritage jets this fall, or autumn. If you live here, uh, uh, American Airlines will debut its last three heritage jets this autumn, says Chief Integration Officer Beverly Goulet. Uh, three Boeing 737-800s. Isn't that the Ryanair carry? Yes. 737-800. Will sport liveries reminiscent of Aircal, merged with American in 1987. Oh, wow. Reno Air, merged with American in 1999. And Transworld Airlines, uh, T- oh, we all remember TWA, TWA yes, yeah. uh, merged with American in 2001. Her presentation at the Boyd International Aviation Forecast Summit in Las Vegas today shows. Uh, the liveries will join uh, uh, Allegheny. Allegheny. Allegheny, my apologies. The liveries will join Allegheny, American West Airlines, Pacific Southwest Airlines, PSA, uh, Piedmont Airlines, and US Airways Heritage Aircraft, as well as American Retrojet uh, in the Fort Worth, Texas-based carrier's fleet. Uh, Widely popular with employees and customers alike, US Airways began uh, the Heritage Livery Program following its merger with America West in 2005. It has since been expanded to airlines that merged with American following the American-US Airways merger in 2013. However, the program only includes airlines that merged directly with American or US Airways, so no Empire Airlines, which which merged with Piedmont in 1985, and Ozark Airlines, 
which merged with TWA in 1986 since the 1980s. Heritage is a popular theme at American. It debuted uh, uh, it debuted a series of eight heritage amnesty kits for the international premium passengers earlier this year uh, that are widely sought by passengers just leading up uh, i'm trying to rack my brain as to to who allegheny Mm. airlines were and uh, allegheny airlines were actually founded in 1939 and they changed their name to u.s air Mm. or u.s airways um, and they're, they're now, they're now, they're now, they are now U.S. Airways. Um, but uh, they had a huge fleet, 315 aircraft Gosh. at their peak. Um, but no, I just wondered who they were. And I've, I've, like I said, I've found them. They actually used to fly BAC 111s as well. So those of you in the U.K. will know what uh, the BAC 111 is. It's the mm. twin-engine rear-mounted uh, jets wow. built in the U.K. here. Gosh. So cool. There's a bit, bit of info. I like to look up these things while we're doing the show. Absolutely. So last piece of news this week uh, on this segment then on Flight Global and uh, some more good news uh, for Alaska Airlines and Boeing. And Alaska is to take first 737 MAX 8 in 2017. Alaska Airlines plans to take delivery of its first Boeing 737 MAX 8 early and late 2017 says its vice president of capacity planning john kirby the seattle-based carrier will take delivery of its first 737 max about six months after launch customer southwest airlines takes its first aircraft he says uh, at the boyd international aviation forecast summit in las vegas this week boeing has indicated that it may be uh, ready a little early says kirby Alaska had previously anticipated its first 737 MAX 8 in 2018. The airline has firm orders for 37 737 MAX aircraft, including 20 737 MAX 8s and 17 737 MAX 9s, Ascend Fleet's shows. Alaska operates a fleet of 143 737s, including 27 737-400s, 14 737-700s, and 61 737-800s, and also 41 of the largest 737-900ERs. So that's good. That's more, even more good. I mean, all these aircraft, these air, the airlines and the aircraft orders are just... This mm. year have gone through the roof, especially for it, uh, for Airbus and Boeing. I seem to remember didn't didn't we have a story? Um, might even been a month or two back now, where where they were disappointed with the the take up with the seven three seven Max. Am I th- am I thinking of the wrong? Perhaps I'm thinking of the wrong story. It's just that we've had a lot of stories of late where people mm. are taking this aircraft, and I I, I vaguely well, remember that. Well, that w- uh, which, which, which was the one that because there was the one where it was. Um, where, perhaps it was the neos i don't know but there was a there was a, a story that we ran where where they cut production right down to to not very much at all oh we did and that was definitely it boeing was, yeah. wasn't it it was definitely boeing but i can't remember well neo, neo is um, airbus's uh, re-engining of the a320 they've right, got the a320 okay. so neo and then. neo stands yeah. for new engine option Oh. Um, and the, the <laughs> new 737 every day is a school day and yes. uh, <laughs> Boeing have got obously the MAX mm. and the 737 MAX which is the re-engined yes. you know the, it's, a, it's a, mm. a, a, their latest reiteration of the 737 mm. um, but these are all due sort of to come online as I say in yeah. the next couple of years yeah, but yeah. Um, Alaska are one of those airlines that have got awesome uh, liveries mm. on their aircraft Matt yeah they, Alaska if you ever if you look up on Google you'll see um, Alaska Airlines and they have um 
because they're obviously in Alaska. Yes. And you have salmon. Mm-hmm. They've got uh, the one of their seven three sevens is painted, or quite a few of them, with mm. with a huge salmon <laughs> right across the uh, whole body there. Across it looks like a flying salmon. Wow! In the <laughs> sky, which is quite. <laughs> is good. that a good thing? I don't know. <laughs> it, look, it looks good. It looks good. <laughs> oh dear! Well, that that is the end of, of the commercial sec- section for uh, this week. We're just going to have a very quick break, though. But if you are watching on YouTube, stay with us because we're going to chat with you in the chat room now, uh, just while we refuel, get drinks and things like that ready for part two. We've got uh, the uh, the usual military section, and then of course a seg- segment from the legend that is Pilot, Pilot Pip. Pip. He returns. <laughs> it's very exciting. So keep in the chat room, guys and girls. Yes. We will be back. We're just going to uh, pour another cup of coffee. Yeah, as I say, if you're in the chat room, stay with us um, and we'll be right back after this. Aviation media has long been the domain of the newspapers and magazines. Well, not anymore. I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarran, and we're bringing aviation right into your radio. Yes, we're making aviation cool and interesting for everyone. Hang on. Aviation's always been cool. Check this out. How cool is this? Grant, Grant, turn that down. Here at Plane Crazy Down Under, we've got pilots, engineers, air traffic controllers, industry leaders, even politicians dropping by to talk to us about the amazing world of aviation right here in Australia and occasionally in New Zealand as well. Wow, that's cooler than I thought, mate. Find us at planecrazydownunder.com, on iTunes, or lurking about on other people's podcasts just like this one. We've got crazy accents and lots of great aviation content. And we promise not to talk about the cricket. No, never. Not the cricket. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> what is cricket anyhow? Something we win a lot. Oh, there oh. we go. <laughs> Up a bit. Oh, we're, that's okay. We're no, okay. Just, just crash it out at the end. Honestly, <laughs> what happened? To so we're back then uh, after. Well, we, we've had a coffee break. Uh, those guys who are in the chat room obviously know uh, <laughs> know what we've been doing because we've been mm. chatting while we've been uh, having yes. a coffee. Uh, welcome to Neil. Bra- um, is it Braden? Brandon? Bra- Bra- Braden. Bran- Neil Braden. Neil Braden. Ah, he's but ah, oh, that's what you look like. Oh dear. <laughs> Sorry, yes, sorry to disappoint, like, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh dear, dear, dear. Uh, actually, while we remember, I think you should just mention uh, we had an email, didn't we? Before we get stuck in, yeah, we did. We had a. Or should we do it for the end? Do you want to do it at the end? No, no, no. We'll no, do it okay. now. We'll do it now. We'll do it now. Hold yes. on. Well, whilst we're welcoming, on, whilst we're welcoming people into the uh, chat Indeed. room, yes. Uh, where I'll be here. It was. Where sorry. was it? Oh, I do it love a bit of dead air. Yes. I know dead air. <laughs> Can you sing for us? <laughs> um, any particular preference? Um, I'm just checking. Here we go. Here are the emails. What would you think? No, sorry. No, 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 don't if sing. If I sang out a tune, would you stand up and walk? Right, there we go. So we had an email then from uh, one of our listeners, Philip Davis. Ah, yes. Uh, Philip sent us an email. And he's normally here in the chat room, but unfortunately he is, he's yeah. busy, isn't he? Yes. Yeah, so Philip Davis sent us an email via our shiny new website. Mm. And... Uh, uh, Philip has said that uh, other said, websites are available by the way they're just not as good not as good as ours <laughs> uh, so he's put uh, hi Carlos and Matt just wondering if you can uh, give me a shout out on the live podcast 
Um, not that he doesn't get enough mentions anyway. No, no, indeed. <laughs> um, Saturday, the 5th of September, uh, will be my 50th birthday. Um, he, he's not sure whether he'd be able to join us live no. today. Depends on what the family got planned for him. Um, but he says, keep up the great work on the podcast, mm. Philip. So uh, on behalf of me and Matt Indeed, uh, here yes. in the Plain Talking UK studio, Absolutely. along with everyone who is in the chat room, yes. happy birthday. Indeed, yes. Have I got to sing again? No, no don't. Okay. Call, blimey, no. <laughs> yeah, hope you have a good oh, day, Neil. Um, yes. uh, Phil, sorry. Oh, Neil says he's a, f- a good friend of Mark Maiden. Oh, Neil, yeah. you're a good friend of Mark Maiden. Oh, well cool. done. I well like done. this podcast. I well like done, Neil. Yes, Mark, yeah, uh, Mark Maiden hasn't released a new show for a while. No. We hope you're all right, uh, Mark, if you're listening to the show. Mm. Yes, and uh, Neil, perhaps you could badger him a bit. Yeah, but poke yeah. him. When, when, you see, uh, when you see Mark Maiden. Well, maybe not that, because, uh, you know, that, that, that obviously I mean, Facebook whole... poke. Of course, yes. 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 Why, what did you think I meant? No. <laughs> With a stick or something. Oh, that's there. it. That's me in trouble. Cool. Good. Splendid. <laughs> <laughs> so we are uh, we are obviously back here are, yes. live again, mm-hmm. and um, we have got. Mm. I do enjoy the live shows. I know we. I do as yeah. well. We've yes. got a military segment to do. We have. Yes. Oh yes. Back back and on the task. Back on the task at hand. Uh, yeah, military segment to do, and mm. uh, we have got uh, obviously, like we said, a a a segment from Pilot Pip Indeed. as well. Yes. So we're going to uh, bring you the military segment next. So mm-hmm. if you're ready, Matt. Yes, I'm as ready as I'm ever going to be. I think. Let's go. Did you hit record by the way? Yeah, I hit record, yeah. I think so. (laughs) Did I? Yeah, I did. Oh, do you know what? We're so professional. I know. Flight Global, then, uh, the site for our first story. And uh, getting back to seriousness now, uh, this is uh, a story or a report, uh, an update on the uh, Shoreham display uh, crash. Mm. And uh, this uh, story has been brought, um, well, via the AAIB, the Air Accident Investigation Bureau Ah, here in the UK. A very official source then. Yeah, Yeah, we did say that we weren't going to say, we weren't going to cover the story too much until we'd got some actual actual facts mm, yeah. um, from uh, from the AAIB. So um, the uh, the story uh, says then that the Hawker Hunter, which was involved in the fatal air display accident on the uh, 22nd of August, had no reported defects prior to taking off mm. and uh, appears to have been performing as expected prior to the crash, the AAIB says. Releasing a preliminary information about the incident uh, in a special bulletin on the 4th of September, the AIIB says that the information recovered from two cameras installed inside the vintage jet's cockpit indicate that uh, throughout the flight, the aircraft appeared to be responding to the pilot's uh, control inputs. Uh, Eleven people were killed and the pilot was seriously injured when the privately owned um, Golf Bravo X-ray Foxtrot India crashed mm. onto a busy road next to Brighton City Airport during the Shoreham air display. An inspection of the 1955 built Hawker performed at its home base at uh, North Will in Essex the previous afternoon showed no report of defects. The aircraft and its underwing external tanks were fully fueled prior to takeoff. Uh, run which the AIIB notes was longer than usual. 
probably due to a high ambient temperature and tailwind of around 8 knots. Conditions at the time of the accident were recorded as a 12-knot wind across the display airfield and an ambient temperature of around 24 degrees Celsius, with no significant cloud and visibility of more than 10 kilometres. After starting the display, the Hunter was pitched up in a, uh, into a manoeuvre with uh, both a vertical component and roll to the left becoming almost fully inverted at the apex of the manoeuvre at a height of approximately 2,600 feet. Um, the latter reading was captured by Heathrow radar, although the AAIB notes that the f uh, figure may not reflect the peak altitude achieved because the radar data was not continuous. The aircraft appears to have slowed to an indicated airspeed of approximately 100 knots, it adds. During the descent, the aircraft accelerated and the nose was raised, but the aircraft did not achieve level flight before it struck the westbound carriageway of the A-27, the AIIB says. Ground marks and phot uh, photographic evidence show that the aircraft struck the road at a nose-high attitude, with the first contact made by the lower portion of the jet pipe fairing. Following this, fuel and fuel vapour from the fuel tanks was released and then ignited. The aircraft broke into four main pieces which came to rest close together approximately 243 metres from the initial ground contact. The 11 fatalities occurred when the aircraft struck vehicles and persons around the road junction, it says. During the initial part of the impact sequence, a jet, uh, the jetinable aircraft canopy was released. The bulletin confirms with this shortly followed by the pilot and his seat being thrown clear from the cockpit section. The investigation continues that to determine if the pilot attempted to initiate ejection of, of the, or if the canopy and pilot seat were liberated as a result of the impact damage uh, to the cockpit, he adds. Uh, the main sections of the aircraft wreckage uh, were taken to the AAIB's facilities at Farnborough, Hampshire, while smaller items are still being recovered from the crash site. According to its investigation, the pilot, who is described as being in good spirits and looking forward to the flight, held a full Class 1 medical certificate and a valid display authorisation from the UK Civil Aviation Authority to fly the Hunter to a minimum a height of 500 feet during the standard category aerobatic manoeuvres. He had accumulated just over 40 flying hours on the ex-military type since May 2011, including almost 10 hours within the last 90 days before the crash and 2 hours in the 4 weeks before the mishap. The AIIB says its bulletin was compiled using preliminary information gathered from ground inspection, radar data, recorded images and other sources. Its work is continuing uh, with further investigations to examine the aircraft and its maintenance records and explore also the operation of the aircraft and the organisation of the event with regard to public safety and associated regulatory issues. Mm. So there we go. That's the direct the from the story, ARB. Yeah. Um, you know, we thought we'd bring that to you on the show this week. Mm. Um, to, to give you guys the heads up on, mm. on what exactly we've been. Yeah, so it's nothing. It's, it's nothing. Uh, the reason why we haven't covered it too much before is because there are several 
conflicting s- stories yeah. and to be honest with you it the coverage in the media has been a little bit sensationalist rather than i mean it is awful obviously that there's no two ways about it. it's been an awful incident there's no you can't sugarcoat that in any way shape or form but mm. um i think it's safe to say the british media have been a little bit um haphazard in their reporting methods yeah. and so we wanted to really hang on until we had something concrete um um and you know a very reliable source essentially but um yes it's uh it's it's not good, is it? There's uh, there's no real way. Of, uh, it is a, it's very sad, and but you know mm-hmm. let, let, let's remember that um, mm-hmm. you know the 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 air shows mm-hmm. are you know, around happening around the UK and mm-hmm. the world are a big part of a lot yep. of people's lives, and um, yeah. you know we yeah. we love air shows. Yes, absolutely. Um, going to one in tomorrow. In fact. We are going to one tomorrow. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. It, and it, it all, it's always going to be something you know that all, that all our children will always. Mm-hmm. Um, love to love to attend mm. i think you know and yeah. and aspire these younger uh, children to obviously become pilots yeah which is always absolutely good. And, and, and let's hope that uh, perhaps these these restrictions on on vintage aircraft don't perhaps hang around uh, any longer than is necessary mm. i completely understand why the restrictions are in place at the moment until they have concrete evidence as to the cause mm. of the incident i can understand why they're being a bit cagey about those things and let's be honest that's probably the sensible uh, approach isn't it at this stage but um yeah let's hope it's not the last time we see vintage aircraft in the air but uh, yes on to the next story and this is flight global again and the headline is bell offers ah one z and uh one y helicopters to poland Bell Helicopter is planning to offer its AH-1Z attack helicopter to Poland for a forthcoming requirement to re- uh, to replace the MIL or MIL uh, M24s operated by the country's land forces. We can provide the most cost-effective solution and state-of-the-art helicopter with unmatched capability for Poland, says Joel Best, Regional Director, Military Business Development at the US Manufacturer. We are very interested in cooperation with um, Poland, and in the next few months we want to create a Zulu team with companies in the Polish defence sector, he says. Uh, Intriguingly, Bell is also touting the UH-1Y utility variant as a backup plan in case Warsaw's proposed tri-service order with Airbus helicopters for 50 H-225Ms falls through. Uh, If something happens with the the said deal, uh, Bell will be happy to provide an attack and utility combination with 85% of technical commonality and uh, significant cost savings being uh, enabled uh, adds Mike Gleason international military business development at Bell it's an unusual thing to sort of offer a contingency plan on behalf of a different I guess they're perhaps I don't know perhaps they're trying to persuade them to pull pull out of the other deal maybe who knows politics is a funny thing isn't it (laughs) in military it's definitely yeah Yeah, the Bell UH uh, 1Y Venom as it's called yes uh, first flew in December 2001 Mm. And introduced into service uh, in 2008. Yeah. And uh, there's been 92 of those built. Wow. Uh, of those uh, of those helicopters. Yeah. Bell being a very popular, uh, obviously, um, a maker of aircraft Indeed. anyway. Yeah. Um, but uh, I've, I've, I think I've seen, I've seen a few. There's a few of these in the UK, I think, with the mm. uh, the training corps, I think, has a few of these really? in the UK. But uh, moving on mm. to our next story. And this story on Flight Global, and the headline is USAF's first combat-coded F-35s arrive at Hill Air Force Base. Mm. 
So the uh, U.S. Air Force's first two combat-coded Lockheed Martin F-35As have touched down at Hill Air Force Base in Utah, making a new era in aviation for the base's active duty 388th Squadron and Reserve 419 fighter wings, which are to receive 70 more jets through 2019. Following its selection in 2013 to host the service's first combat F-35 squadron, Hill has been waiting for the arrival of the Joint Strike Fighters and on the 2nd of September, the first two aircraft, AF-77 and AF-78, finally landed. The F-35s were delivered from Lockheed's uh, F-35 production plant in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, by Colonel David Leons, uh, commander of the 388th Square Fighter Wing, and Lieutenant Colonel Josef Morris, uh, director of operations for the th- uh, 34th Fighter Squadron, to which the first two examples have been allocated. Activated in July, the, for- the formation intends to uh, declare initial operational capability with 15 aircraft by August 2016. It has a history of taking the first examples of new combat types, having been the recipient of the initial combat-coded General Dynamics F-16s in the late 1970s, replacing McDonnell Douglas F-4 Phantoms. Make no mistake, we're built for this. We will deliver the combat capability that our nation so desperately needs to meet tomorrow's threats, Leon says. The wing intends to start flying the F-35s, after the 7th of September and will slowly build up to its operating tempo as more aircraft are delivered and more pilots are qualified. More than $120 million has been spent preparing the base to receive the F-35s and its Ogden Air Logistics Complex is also being set up to accommodate F-35s depot management and support and maintenance support. Delivery of the first two aircraft to Hill Air Force Base comes one month after the Marine Corps established its first combat-coded F-35B squadron at Marine Corps Air Station Yuma in Arizona. And there's uh, quite a nice picture there on there, mm. Matt, of the uh, F-35 there. Mm. Yeah, um, one second. Underbelly, mm-hmm. um, with some uh, some vapour trails coming off go. the wingtips there. If you're on YouTube, you can see that now. Yeah, you'll be able to see those on uh, YouTube. Mm. Um, lovely, isn't it? So as we've said before, we're still waiting to see these um, at an air show in the UK. Mm. We're running out of air shows now. We're coming towards the end of the year. But um, yeah. Yeah. So next story then, Matt? Yes, indeed. Uh, The next story, uh, this is Flight Global again. And uh, the headline is uh, RAF uh, RAF Second Rivet Joint Ready for Action. Uh, the UK has received its second of an eventual three Boeing RC-135W Rivet Joint Signals Intelligent signet in brackets, uh, aircraft and de- uh, detailed a package of enhancements that have been introduced with the refurbished jet since its uh, lead example entered the Royal Air Force uh, use more than a year ago. Uh, aircraft Zulu Zulu 665 was accepted as RAF Mildenhall's um, Mildenhall in Suffolk, as the UK's uh, Waddington base is currently closed for runway resurfacing, which is, I think, is why the air show isn't running there mm. at the moment as well. Uh, the air, the arrival of the second aircraft happened seven months ahead of schedule, and the Ministry of Defence says it will be deployable on operations within a matter of weeks. A first aircraft is currently employed alongside other RAF units in in the the flight the fight against. Uh, uh, ISIL uh, supporting operations in Iraq and Syria, it adds. Since delivery of the first aircraft last year, over 60 improvements 
have been incorporated into the second aeroplane, ranging from upgrades to the aircraft's mission systems uh, to engine improvements, providing uh, increased fuel efficiency and durability, the MOD has said. The RAF's lead example, Zulu Zulu 664, is to later undergo an upgrade program to bring the aircraft in line with improvements made on its second, it adds. The final aircraft will be delivered under the uh, roughly £650 million pounds or $988 million uh, air seeker program uh, and it will be handed over during 2017 following its conversion from a from a surplus KC-135 tanker by US-led L3 Communications in Greenville, Texas. Describing the role of the uh, uh, Signet uh, platform, the MOD says the Airseeker not only gathers data and vital intelligence using advanced sensor technology, but it is also able to carry out onboard analysis and distribute the information to be exploited by assets on the ground via its high-tech communication suite. According to data released by the MOD, each of the RAF's RC-135Ws can operate with a crew of just two pilots, one navigator, and up to 25 mission crew. The uh, type can be operated up to an altitude of 50,000 feet, it also adds. I love this aircraft. Mm. We've featured this uh, before in the show. Yeah. And um, it, the rivet is just, it's just such an awesome-looking aircraft, it really is. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's sort of very surprisingly plain-looking, isn't it? Um, as in, like, bland, not not, bland. <laughs> not as a, yes, very, yes plane ladies looking. and gentlemen, it does look like a plane. Yes, no, no, no. Hang on, I'm just trying to bring that up for you now. There we go. So if you're watching on YouTube, you can see a little picture of that now. You can from see. the website. As I say, it's just, I, I don't know why I, expect, I partly expected it to be a little bit more colourful, but uh, no, I guess no, if it's a military, military aircraft, grey. It's, it's going to be grey. It's exactly, gonna be grey, yes, it? no, that's a fair point. Yes. But no, those uh, those people, obviously, um, we've talked about this before, but, you know, when you look at the, um, this, the river, it is it is based on the the old Boeing seven oh seven with obviously upgraded engines and um, and it's slightly fuselage has slightly changed. Yeah, so this is the four this is four engines, isn't it? Yes, it certainly mm. is. Yeah, yes. and um, yeah, it takes it takes me back a few years. If you take take off the engines and put some old JT eight Ds on there and yes. uh, and sort of take smoothen some those o- some old off. what uh, J- Pratt and Whitney J- JT eight Ds. Right, old smoky engines oh, right. from oh, many right. moons ago. <laughs> And you could oh you could turn this back into a seven oh seven, but um, mm. a fantastic aircraft. And yeah. um, these these actually do keep your eyes open because Matt, these do fly over our house. Do they? Yes, very much so. What, any idea where from going to? Uh, are they are they sort of freighters now rather? Than no, no, no. They, these obviously this is valence aircraft, but right. um, they're they're sort of flying from Mildenhall mm. in Suffolk, oh, yes, which course, is not yeah. far from yeah, us. Close, close to us, yeah. Um, but these are flying sort of you know. Mission, various mm. training missions over us and that so you, you know you see yeah. them quite a bit which is quite yeah, it's cool yeah it's fantastic cool. Yeah. so the last story in the military segment yeah. uh, save the best to last that's what we say oh quite right yes. so. <laughs> and uh, this one on the Royal Air Forces uh, site raf.mod.uk and uh, really great picture we'll put the picture on, on the uh, YouTube feed in a moment yep. um, but the headline uh, Typhoon and Spitfire to fly together for first time at the imperial war museum duxford so uh this weekend the story has been released raf's famous fighter aircraft past and present take to the skies for the battle of britain anniversary air show 
To mark the 75th anniversary of the Battle of Britain, a Eurofighter Typhoon from 29 Squadron and a Spitfire from the Battle of Britain Memorial Flight will take the skies together for a remarkable flying display as part of the Battle of Britain Anniversary Air Show on Saturday the 19th of September. This, uh, this award-winning display presents the iconic fighter aircraft that defended Britain's skies 75 years ago alongside the contemporary fighter that has the same role today. The state-of-the-art Typhoon fighter jet is painted uh, for a 2015 in Battle of Britain era colour style scheme to acknowledge the bravery and sacrifice of the air crews who took part in the Battle of Britain 75 years ago. RAF Coningsby Station Commander Group Captain Jez Atridge said uh, this fully operational typhoon will be uh, a dynamic reminder to all those that see it over the summer of the uh, link between the uh, the modern Royal Air Force and the few that defended our uh, nation 75 years ago during the Battle of Britain. Today that mission endures with uh, Eurofighter typhoons on a quick reaction alert every minute of every day and the RAF's quick reaction alert typhoons defend the UK against potentially hostile aircraft approaching the UK's sovereign airspace. Hello, Russia. (laughs) And (laughs) Group Captain Atridge added that the technology has changed since the Battle of Britain, but the mission to the uh, fall for the RAF to protect the UK remains unchanged. The Eurofighter Typhoon is a highly capable and extremely agile multi-role combat aircraft capable of being deployed in uh, the full spectrum of air operations including air policing, peace support and high intensity conflict. The Typhoon display is flown by the 29 Reserve Squadron from RAF Coningsby and it showcases the incredible performance of the aircraft and also demonstrates the dedication, professionalism and excellence of the Royal Air Force personnel who fly, maintain and support Typhoon operations in the UK and across the world. The Battle of Britain anniversary show on the Saturday the 19th and Sunday the 20th of September will be an immersive and poignant experience for everyone. The flying displays include a mass fly pass of Spitfires, which will be combined with the wartime music and the voices of men and women who served during the war. Living history groups will recreate the daily life of RAF Duxford as a Battle of Britain fighter station in 1940. The flying displays explore the development of the Battle of Britain and its significant role in the Allied victory of the Second World War. The beginning of the Battle of Britain is commemorated by a Spitfire Scramble, Hispano HA-112 MIL Bouchon aircraft fly in as the Scramble bells sound. Living history interprets uh, representing RAF pilots who race uh, across the airfield and into their supermarine Spitfires to chase the enemy off. That'd be good to see. Cool, yeah. And uh, obviously, like I said, the Battle of Britain um, anniversary air show will take place on Saturday the 19th and Sunday the 20th of September. That's this month for those of you in the UK. And uh, tickets are now only available for Saturday the 19th of September. Online booking will close on Sunday the 13th of September and tickets can be purchased in person at the Imperial War Museum at Duxford and the Imperial War Museum in London until Friday the 18th of September, which is... Not far away. Not far away, no. Was it 5th today, isn't it? Yeah, 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 that's not far away. So uh, if you want tickets to that, uh, Mm. which is going to be an awesome show, 
Um, definitely. Yeah. I wonder whether our listener Dan Hannington will be there. If you are Dan, I hope you get some uh, some good pictures. Go. I'm just going to put that picture up as you as you yeah, promised. We'll put that picture on yeah. on the YouTube. There you uh, go. So that's on the Royal Air Force website. Uh, uh, raf.mod.uk has a, that a, nice a picture. cracking picture yeah, that's it's good. good sort of matching livery which is nice yeah uh, who, addicted to planes indeed yes it sounds like he's some, somebody who's nicked your handle <laughs> <laughs> hello addicted to planes yes. I have asked his name but I haven't had a right. reply yet where, so where are you where are yes. you based yes yeah, indeed let us know where you're based absolutely so that's the uh, military segment over for this that week is. we yeah, have absolutely. this week got a segment from Pilot Pip Yay. Awesome. Awesome. And yeah. uh, this week I haven't had a chance to listen to the segment. No, no, so, absolutely. so we're going to listen to very, it with very, you as we put yeah. it out now. So um, uh, we are going to play Pilot's Pick. I've just got, I've just got to put the extra. Yeah, that's fine. So, what, so just before we put that out, if you are listening to us in the uh, or listening on YouTube uh, and you're in the chat room, obviously, uh, we will be there. So uh, get, get any de- dedications and or shout outs. Um, and we can do that as soon as we come back. Um, from Pilot Pip segment. Obviously, we will all be intently listening to what he has to say. Do we know what, what it's about? No, like I said, I haven't had a chance oh, to listen dear. to this. Be a nice surprise I for have, us all. I'm so it's sorry, Pip. It's been a very busy. <laughs> day. It's been a very busy day. So we're going to play Pilot Pip segment for you now. And now it's time to visit the cockpit and join the man who puts the S in safe. It's the plane safety from the flight deck segment with Captain Pip. Hello everyone, it's Pilot Pip here with another Safety from the Flight Deck segment. Now I need to apologise for my absence from the last few episodes. It's a a very challenging time of year. It's been very busy at work for me and of course with the kids on summer holidays off school it's quite tricky sometimes to find time to sit down and record these things. But I've got some time today so I thought I'd better get something done and sent over else Carlos is going to be really mad at me and I don't want that. So what I thought I'd do is just give you a very brief description and outline of some of the masses and weights that we need to consider when we're looking at aircraft performance and when we're looking at loading up aircraft with passengers and fuel. There are many maximum weights that we need to consider, uh, some of which are structural and some of which are performance-based. So when I mean structural, I mean there are certain ways that we can load up the aircraft and certain masses that we can't exceed to protect the integrity of the aircraft structure itself. Other ones, which are more performance-based, we need to observe in order to achieve minimum uh, performance when we're looking at takeoff distance, for instance, or climb gradients or landing distance. And those can very much depend on the conditions on the day, so temperature, runway length, uh, air density, this kind of thing. So those, those might vary, and they'll very often be below the maximum weights allowed by the aircraft manufacturer. So sometimes we'll have a particular limitation which will vary depending on the conditions on the day. Now there are many different masses and weights that we look at and some of them are roughly the same thing but they have different names. So I'll try and keep it very simple here and just give you some of the, the main ones just to give you a flavour of what it is that I'm talking about and some of the things and challenges we need to, to consider. So let's start at the beginning. Let's start with something called the basic empty weight. Now if you were just to take an aircraft and put it on your bathroom scales and weigh it without any passengers on board, without any fuel in it, without any crew or cabin crew or bags or anything else that was going to be needed for a flight. If you just take that basic empty aircraft and weigh it, that will give you your basic empty weight. So that's just the aircraft, the wings, the engines, any unusable fuel uh, and engine oil, that kind of stuff. 
that will give you a basic empty weight. And we generally uh, weigh aircraft in either kilograms or pounds. Now, if we take that basic empty weight and then add on the weight of the crew, the cabin crew, their bags and luggage, all the food for the flight, all the water, all the potables, uh, everything we're going to need to make that flight happen. So uh, first aid kits, if it's a cargo flight, maybe all the, uh, the strappings and the tie-down points, all that kind of stuff. If we add on everything except for the passengers and the fuel, that will give us something called our basic operating weight. So that's the aircraft, empty but prepared for service. If we add on then the most important bit, which is the passengers, that's the bit that's paying our, paying our revenue, that's the, where we're making our money from, is the passengers. So we want to be able to maximise the passenger load. So if we add the passengers, or the cargo perhaps, to that basic operating weight, we then get to something called the zero fuel weight. And that's fairly obviously the weight of the aircraft with everything on it, except for fuel. And actually there is a maximum zero fuel weight or zero fuel mass that we need to observe. And it may not be particularly obvious why we have a maximum zero fuel mass. And actually that's a structural thing. And it's to do with the aerodynamics of the wing. Generally speaking, the wing is where all the fuel is stored. And that doesn't add, the weight of the fuel doesn't add too much to the uh, wing loading, if you like, the, the bending or flexing movement of the wing. All of that is generated by the weight or the mass in the fuselage, so the passengers and all the luggage and all of that stuff. And the more weight you have in the fuselage, the greater the, the bending moment on the wing. And manufacturers want to be able to maximise the takeoff performance, the, the lifting capability of the wing. So they set or define a maximum weight that can be put in the fuselage, and that's the maximum zero fuel weight. So that's the aircraft with everything on it, everything that we're going to need except the fuel. So when we are loading up the aircraft with all the freight and the bags and the passengers and all the rest of it, we do have to be very mindful of the maximum zero fuel mass, and we need to make sure that we don't exceed it. So now we've got an aircraft with everything on it, passengers, bags, crew, water, food, all the rest of it, except the fuel. So now we add the fuel onto it, and we obviously need to add enough fuel to get to our destination and have all the relevant reserves. So we load it up with the fuel. We've then got our all-up weight. That will be the weight that we're taking off at. And as you'd probably imagine, we have a maximum takeoff mass that we need to observe. And this is one of those ones that's both structural and performance-based. Now, the manufacturer will lay down an absolute maximum takeoff mass that we need to observe. That's something that doesn't change in its absolute. Regardless of the conditions, we can't exceed the maximum takeoff mass of the aeroplane. So that's the structural element of it. But then there's also the performance-based part of that maximum takeoff mass. And depending on the conditions on the day, that maximum takeoff mass could be way below the structural takeoff mass as defined in the aircraft manual. So what conditions are going to affect it or what conditions are going to adversely affect it? Well, that will be runway length, that will be temperature. And generally speaking, the shorter the runway, the less weight we're going to be able to take off with. Uh, the higher the temperature, the less weight we're going to be able to take off with. But those aren't the only things. We need to look at, as well, minimum climb performance and climb gradients. Uh, we may be somewhere where we need to achieve a minimum climb performance, and that may limit our takeoff mass as well. So we certainly need to know exactly what that limit is, and we need to make sure that we're not exceeding it. And the way we work it out, well, when you first do your training, you learn how to, to do it longhand. You go through the books, and there's lots of graphs and things you can follow. You input all the variables and you'll come out with a number of different answers, and you have to take the most limiting one of them. 
in practice, what we do, well, it's all done for us, to be honest. We, there are software programs, computer-based programs that uh, our dispatch department use, and they'll send us uh, a table, essentially, with uh, headwind components, temperatures, and it's a very simple table just to enter, and we can see exactly what our maximum takeoff mass is. And that's the weight that we're going to aim to arrive at the end of the runway with. But actually, when we're sitting there at the ramp, we can, in fact, be a little bit heavier than that. And there is a maximum ramp mass as well. So the maximum takeoff mass is not necessarily the absolute mass of, that the aircraft can be whilst we're sitting there on the ramp. Uh, now, obviously, you're going to burn off fuel as you taxi out to the runway. And some places, that can be a really long taxi, and you can burn quite a lot of fuel. So I'm thinking of places like Barcelona, for instance. It's not uncommon in Barcelona to have a 30-minute-plus taxi, and you can really burn a lot of fuel in 30 minutes just taxiing around. So we can, to in order to uh, maximise the fuel that we can take off with, we can actually put on a bit of extra fuel that we'll plan to burn off during the taxi, with the aim being to arrive at the end of the runway having burnt off that taxi fuel and be exactly at or very close to our maximum takeoff mass. So hopefully we've done our sums right and we'll achieve that. So we'll go blasting off into the air at our maximum takeoff mass and go and do our flight. And of course, all the time that the engines are running, the aircraft is getting lighter because we're burning fuel all the time. So as that fuel is burnt, the aircraft gets lighter. Now fuel is pretty heavy stuff, of course. A one litre of fuel weighs approximately 0.7 of a kilo. The definition of one kilo being one litre of water and fuel is less dense than water, it's about 70%, so one litre of fuel is about 0.7 of a kilo. And big aircraft, big transport category aircraft, can carry many tens of tonnes of fuel, so there's a lot of weight there to be burned. Which brings us on to one of the next uh, masses or weights that we need to consider, and that's the maximum landing mass. Now you quite often hear stories in the press that of aircraft that have had problems after takeoff and they've had to return, but they've been too heavy to land, they've had to circle round and burn fuel or dump fuel. And that's because the maximum landing mass of the aircraft is very often much lighter than the maximum takeoff mass. And again, the maximum landing mass is both structural and performance related. There's a, an absolute structural limit that you need to be below in order to land. But also it depends a bit on the conditions as well. Again, runway length, temperature, minimum climb gradients are all going to dictate a little bit your maximum landing mass. Now, of course, that's not to say that if you were to land three kilograms over your maximum landing mass, that the wings are going to fall off. Well, that's not the case. But if you're landing overweight, then that will certainly require, at the very least, a overweight landing inspection. It's, you can kind of treat it like a hard landing. Uh, most aircraft flight manuals will allow for landing overweight, uh, they'll suggest certain strategies like trying to reduce the rate of descent to touchdown to an absolute minimum, typically something less than 300 feet a minute. Normally we're touching down at anything between 300 and 500 feet a minute. But if we're doing an overweight landing, then we need to try and reduce that as much as possible to reduce the load on the aircraft structure. So landing overweight is not the end of the world. And of course, there will be some situations where we don't have an option except to land straight away. You know, if we've got an aircraft fire well, we're not going to go around circling for two hours whilst we burn off fuel and the aircraft is on fire. So uh, some aircraft, of course, have the capability to dump fuel rather than burn it off. So that's always an option as well. But certainly as the flight progresses, the maximum landing mass is something we need to bear in mind. We need to check once we're getting close to our destination that uh, we are, in fact, 
at or below the maximum landing mass, like we burnt off the fuel we expected to burn. And it wouldn't be particularly uncommon to burn much less fuel. Sometimes we get a very big shortcuts from air traffic control, or maybe we'll get more favourable tailwinds. We'll get there much quicker having not burnt the fuel. So it is a requirement, of course, that we check that we're below the maximum landing mass. If we're not, what can we do about it? Well, there are certain things we might do. We might fly for longer at a lower altitude. Uh, you know, in the lower altitudes, we're burning more fuel. We may start to configure early with the flaps and gear. That will certainly burn off a bit more fuel. It depends on the situation. It's not the end of the world. But generally speaking, when we're looking at a, a dispatching a flight, it's always a trade-off between uh, fuel and passengers. We obviously want to be able to carry the maximum passengers, the maximum revenue-earning load that we can. But at the same time, we need to be sensible and ensure that we're carrying all the required fuel. And sometimes it's just not possible to achieve both. So it's often a trade-off between um, passengers and weight, you know, having to reduce the passenger load or the luggage load in order to carry enough fuel. So that's a very basic overview of aircraft weights and masses, starting off from a, an empty aircraft, loading on the essential bits that we need, then loading on all the revenue earning part of it, and then the fuel on top, and then managing the whole lot to make sure that we're below weight when we take off, and we're below our maximum mass when we land as well. So that's it for this segment. If you want to know more, well, you know where you can find it. Just head across to Plane Safety Podcast. But hopefully I'll be back again next week with another segment. Don't want to incur the wrath of Carlos. But for now, it's uh, back to the boys in the studio. And take care, everyone. See you again soon. <laughs> Very well done, Pip. Very well Absolutely. done. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He oh. makes you out to be some kind of real tyrant, doesn't he? <laughs> and he'd be right. It's, it's the multiple emails and the uh, WhatsApps and messages I send him during the week. Pip, yeah, Pip have you got yeah. a segment? Pip, yeah. have you got a segment for this week? Poor man, he's so insanely busy. What, the children need food? Yes. No. no. Segment. No, yes. Segment. <laughs> oh, dear. You see no. what I have to put up with, ladies I know. and gentlemen. Yes. <laughs> but thanks very much for that, Pip. Uh, it's been uh, brilliant for you to send mm. us in uh, your first segment. He has had a bit of a break. Yeah, and, uh, and we've also had some we've had some uh, in of some feedback straight away. Look on mm. uh, on the uh, chat room, and uh, Dan Hannington said another great segment from Pip. Very interesting, of course, of course. Of course. It is a real pleasure to have him as part of our little enterprise. That is, it? Yeah. yeah. Don't forget follow um, Pip over at the Plane Safety Podcast. You'll find him over mm. on iTunes along with yep. us. Yep. And for those of you who are listening as well, it, um, it I know we say this every now and again, but you know it would be really good if you guys when you're on um, iTunes if that's how you download the show mm. yes other um, streaming services are available are. Yes. Um, if you could just leave us a smidgen of feedback on, mm. on iTunes really the little it, yeah. thing that, that would help to um, to boost us uh, yeah. boost us on iTunes so people can find us absolutely yeah and uh, Neil Brazen's Neil Brazen's but you really need to set that clock on your <laughs> wall to Zulu time <laughs> What's Zulu time? Oh, yeah. I'm just looking at it now. <laughs> He's looking at the clock on there. What's, what's Zulu time? <laughs> what's Zulu time? Hang on, hang on. Explain. You want so, me, somebody you explain. You want me to explain what I Zulu do. time? Yes, I do, very much you, sh- so. you should know these, Matt. Yeah. Come on, look, I'm still learning. There's no need to be like... Anyway, while Carl is just answering that so, question for me... Oh, Zulu, no, already there. Sorry. Uh, what? <laughs> no, you carry on. Zulu, Zulu time. Yes. It's military time. Oh, right, Okay. Um, what as in what as in sort of sixteen sixteen twenty five current current the current Zulu military time is fifteen twenty four. Is um, it? Yes. Well, no, he does say that there. Look, 
I don't know. You didn't read his message properly, did you? (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. I've got a different page. I've only got, we've only got five laptops here. (laughs) Just just haven't got enough information in front of us. Right. So current, like I said, the current Zulu. I'll just put the wide cover on. You really can't see the the justice here because there's, there's, you've got this one here. This one here is doing the video. This is, for those listening on the podcast, I'm so sorry because this bit, you're going to zone out from there. So this one, which I'm tapping here, Mm. is this the, wake up uh, is, is, is the one that does all the cameras and stuff now just underneath that you can probably just see is the one that I have now got on the internet by the way that is working by the way you, your little thingy I've also got the one that's that's dealing with how YouTube works and all that kind of thing that's down it's here down, yeah. and, and it's just fallen out of charge so that's fine and then obviously Carl's got his one here this one this one here which we, we won't do but I'll, I'll tap it that, that, that actually records uh, and does all the jingles and stingers and all that kind of thing and then this one here which you can just see just just see and the monitor which carl keeps poking so i'm sorry about that because the camera wobbles every time oh, you just sorry yes, <laughs> is how we read our news stories so okay. there's a little insight into what happens in our studio um but uh, yes that that doesn't that is about it then every, everyone's yeah. still awake good yeah excellent so we've had um <laughs> we had a rather interesting email this week um from uh jenny parkinson jennifer oh, parkinson okay. yes and uh, if you remember, she sent us the picture of herself wearing the PTUK mm. T-shirt mm. while she was ready, get, getting ready to um, board the uh, viewing uh, Airbus A320. And uh, she's put here. She's put at the top of her message to her. She's put here. By the way, here in Italy, they pronounce viewing like the English word whaling ah. with a V in front of it, which is vueling. Yeah. So vueling. That's how you're supposed to say it in, well, in Italy. Yeah, so there we go. Mental note, as I say, we, um, we but need she, to learn um, these things. Because uh, we said to give us some feedback and the stuff on mm. her flight. So she was travelling um, a family of four mm. um, with Vueling for the first time, Rome mm. to Paris, uh, which is quite a short flight, about an hour mm. and a half in the air. Uh, she flew on the Airbus A320 with a slight bit of turbulence on the way. Yeah. Uh, they opted for the optimum fare, Ooh. which I presume is is something sort of um, a bit uh, a bit of a premium economy. I should imagine it's their apparently it's their mid range tariff, which allows you to put. You're giggling. That, sorry, I'll explain if okay. something from the chat room. Okay, <laughs> um, okay, I'll catch up with that later. And um, this uh, this gives you um, uh, allows you to put a suitcase in the hold and allows you to choose your seats in advance and uh, sit in a section towards the front of the plane. Um, you can also take out special insurance apparently for if you miss your flight. And, oh wow! And if you turn up at the airport within four hours of the flight's departure, you'll be put on the next available flight at no extra costs. Oh, that's mm, not bad. Yeah. Um, I'm just reading through the email mm. here, and obviously Jenny got to the airport with plenty of time because she's a well-travelled person. Indeed. Um, she thinks Vueling compares, mm. or Whaling compares, quite favourably with other airlines that she flies with. Mm. Uh, Vueling is part of Iberia, right. Spanish airline, yeah. and is uh, in a code share with British Airways on some routes. Yeah. Um, she noticed that when she was booking that it was cheaper to book on the Vueling website than on BA's website. Right, okay. Um, which she thinks is on a level with Ryanair and better than EasyJet. Right. Um, 
She's flown with KLM from Rome to Norwich via Amsterdam, Ooh. which is very good, but pricey, she says. Yes, it is, yeah. We agree with yeah, you there, yeah, Jane. It's so. definitely pricey. Mm. Um, plus, you have to add in extra time for changing flights at Amsterdam Airport. Yeah. Otherwise, it's a bit of a nightmare. At Schiphol. Uh, she said that out of all of them, KLM uh, cabin service was the best out of them all. Really? Um, she chose. See, that, doesn't, that doesn't surprise me, actually. No, KLM yeah. is supposed to be a very good airline. Um, she chose British Airways if she's, or she chooses British Airways if she's flying anywhere in the UK uh, right. that involves a connection because if uh, any flight is late, you'll automatically get put on next flight. Right. Which is cool. That is good. Um, she all she had uh, a flight. She went to Rome. She went from Rome to Shetland in June, mm. and the flight from London to Edinburgh was late. Mm. Uh, she got given vouchers for the airport's business lounge while waiting for the next flight, which was very nice. She said, "Oh, cool." Um, she also she says puts at the end of her email here that she listens to the airplane geeks. Ah, yes. good, mm-hmm. and also airline pilot guy. Yep. And she also listens to Pilot Pip. Obviously. Obviously. obviously yes. <laughs> <laughs> and she also listens as well to another podcast, a, a not so well known podcast, but still a great show, which I've listened to in the, in the past and it's still running, uh, which is Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. Oh, wow, um, that sounds uh, cool. That's actually a podcast uh, which is uh, produced by an, an airline stewardess. Oh, okay. And she produces her own show, which is quite—it's quite a funny podcast. Yeah, yeah. She's uh, she's quite a uh, comedian. She we shall have to get good. in touch. We shall have to get in touch. And um, she, but uh, she's put here that um, uh, she listens, obviously listens to our podcast. Good, good. Uh, but given uh, her Norfolk connections, uh, her loyalty has to be with our show first. Oh, of course, yes. Oh, oh good girl, thank you, Jenny. Girl. You're, you're a star. Yes, lovely. Has she got uh, a T-shirt yet? She has. Oh, right. I was going to say we ordered. <laughs> She's uh, hoping to visit Duxford with her uh, with her son on her next UK visit in oh, October. Cool. October. There's an air show coming up at Duxford in yeah, October. We're hoping to make that. Yeah, we're we? hoping yeah, to yeah. make that one, Jenny. So hopefully we'll see mm. you there. Um, any suggestions of what to see in particular? Well, honestly, Janet, there's so much to see mm. at, at Duxford. You need to get there at yeah. 8 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, or make a weekend of it. Or make a weekend yeah. of it. There's, there's <laughs> loads to see there. Yeah, because it's actually open all the time, isn't it? So even when there's no air show going on, oh, yeah, it's Duxford still open. Duxford is very much a museum. Um, so you, yeah. could, you could sort of visit the museum like the day before the air show and then and then go to the actual air show. I say, but it is... Uh, I mean, I... I I've I've said before, as as I'm sure sure some of you, you are aware, I, I've I've been to both the one in London and I've also been to the one uh, at Duxford, and and for me, it, the one at Duxford far outweighs mm. um, the experience um, o- over the one at London. It used to be very good, but yeah. as I, I've sort of complained really that I know they've got to make money, and that's why there is now two coffee shops and and, <laughs> and various gift shops and all that kind of thing. But for me, the museum has really suffered in its layout and, and that kind of thing. That having been said, there are still some amazing parts to it i mean you know the holocaust um thing is something that if you haven't been you you've really got to to go and have a look at it and there's a fantastic medals section right on the top floor which is worth a visit but um it isn't quite the full day that uh, that it once was um yeah it's it is worth a visit but for me duxford is far better um personally um, or the uh, churchill Cambridge, yeah. Or, or, yeah. or the churchill if you if you if you want to sort of learn a bit about world war Two and, and all that there's a fantastic churchill museum so at the end of uh, end of Jenny's um, she, her, her email, she's put on there that she's very interested to learn more about air traffic control. Oh, right. Um, she imagines that over Norfolk, with all the military bases, it must yeah. be quite lively at times. Mm. Well, Jenny, it is. I mean, I fly 
myself around Norfolk and Suffolk in a Cessna 150 when I'm having my lessons and what have you but it's you know you, you, you mm. um, it's all VFR around here for most of yeah. us there's not it's it's uncontrolled airspace around here apart from around Norwich Airport which obviously has its own radar and stuff in place but yeah. you know it is mostly VFR stuff that we all you know we, you just have to use the good old Mark 1 eyeball to make sure that uh, right. there's nothing else flying around you but then the military aircraft obviously do, you know, they have um, their areas of uh, where they train mm. and, uh, and you know, what, what, where they go and stuff. And um, you always keep your eyes open on the NOTAMs. Mm-hmm. Those of you listening in the chat rooms, uh, most of you will know what NOTAMs are, Notice yeah. to Airmen. Right. Which are, which are um, released um, to, to show pilots like me what's going on in around the areas and what uh, what's shut, uh, shut down, what's closed and... And what's happening in the uh, in the skies? Yeah, um, but no. Thanks for your email. Yes, we always appreciate yeah. that. Any um, feedback is great. Yeah. Don't forget if you want to send us an email, just go on our new shiny website and yeah. click on the contact us yeah, tab. You absolutely. can send us an email on absolutely. there. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. so we, before we uh, bring the show to a bit of a close, then we'll just whiz through. Um, it's. Oh. I was thinking to do the uh, thing, but I, I've broken it. <laughs> yeah, we've, uh, we'd like to say a big thanks to all the guys and mm. girls who've joined us in the chat room. Yeah. Uh, Dan Hannington, Gareth E, yeah. uh, Pip's been in there. Yeah. Um, we've had Masha Gertz, hope you're still there, Masha, yeah. over in the Netherlands. Yeah. And also, hello to Neil Braden as well. Thanks for joining yeah. us on the show. Paul Tricker as well. Paul Tricker. Mm-hmm. I, li- I like this one. He says, your electricity bill must skyrocket each time you broadcast. <laughs> yes, 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 it does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, that's why we do it between here and the Conservancy Studio, because it's, you know, spread, spread the cost. Exactly. <laughs> And also <laughs> addicted to planes, Jamie mm. over there at addicted to planes. Thanks yeah. for joining us as well yeah, this week. Yeah. And um, we shall, uh, yeah, Paul Trigger. Yes, hello there. Yeah, Here, I was going to say, I'm just laughing at what he's put there. I know. <laughs> Most of these cables, to be fair, yes. are, are speaker cables. There's only a few that are um, power cables. Yes, absolutely. He is right. It is a total mess. But it is a total. But, yeah, mess, I don't know yeah. quite how you would make this tidy because it's, it's no. no, you've no idea how much. <laughs> well, like, you probably have got an idea if you're you're into IT as as am I. Um, but. Uh, as I say, it's, it, the trouble is it's, it's not so because it gets set up and then it has to be taken down again. So uh, we haven't always uh, bothered too so much. So before we go, yep. quick run through then September air mm. show season. Um, obviously, we're coming towards the end of the season. Guys, it's been back. It's looked been about five minutes of air show season this year. Paul's going to be at seeding, by the way. Oh, Paul. Yes, excellent. We Paul. shall see you tomorrow. Yes. Oh, good. Come and see us, Paul. We'll be wearing our um, T-shirts. Oh, I've got to so iron it again. You've got to iron your T-shirt <laughs> oh, <no>. again. <laughs> we'll be there, Paul. So come and give us a poke or just come and shout at us or, or prod Matt or something. Um, <laughs> How rude. I was I eating know. a crisp. Be quiet. Okay. Um, Dan <laughs> Hannington's just written on there. Uh, he was meant to say the website is hugely improved. Well done, Matt. Oh, thank you. Yay. <laughs> yes, all right. Steady. Oh, now you've oh, broken it. Hello. I just lost Sorry. it. <laughs> so there it's back. Don't panic. So back again. So as we said, so the rest <clears throat> of September, don't forget tomorrow, me and uh, Matt will be at the Seething Air Show in yeah. Norfolk. Um, for those of you listening to the show, um, come and see us at mm. the Seething Air Show in Norfolk. For those of you who are using a sat nav to get there, uh, November Romeo 151 Echo Lima is the postcode for that. <laughs> um, so come and see us there. Gates open at 10 o'clock. And um, 
I'm going to be there before then because that's just me. I yes. always get everywhere yeah. early. Yes. Because um, I'm, I'm impatient. I don't want to see planes. Doesn't sound like you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on the uh, 10th, it's the uh, RAFA Guernsey Air Display at St. Peterport, Guernsey Channel Islands. Oh, that's another um, place I really want to go visit. It's lovely. And also on the 10th, it's a Jersey International Air Display at St. Helier, Jersey in the Channel Islands. Uh, on the 11th and 13th of September, the Goodwood Revival, um, and the Goodwood Circuit and Aerodrome in West Goodwood. Sussex. Oh, love Goodwood. Um, and also on the 12th and 13th of September, the Old Sarum Air Show in Wiltshire. Oh, cool. Uh, for those of you guys in that uh, area of the UK. Mm. Um, the 14th and 20th of September, the Salisbury Wings Week at Wilch in Wiltshire. And... Uh, the 19th and 20th Southport Air Show in Lancashire. Mm. And on the 19th and 20th, as we've just said earlier, uh, the Battle of Britain Anniversary Air Show Mm. in uh, Duxford at the Imperial War Museum Mm. at Duxford in Cambridge. Um, There is a huge participating lineup of aircraft for that air show, including the Red Arrows. Mm. Yeah. Um, and also the uh, B-17, uh, which we'll be seeing tomorrow. That'll be right. flying oh, over cool. at Seething. Uh, with the Bristol Blenheim will be there as well mm. at uh, at the uh, Duxford uh, Museum. And there is a huge list of aircraft yeah. there. Yeah. Um, if you go on to all allthews.air-shows.org.uk, you can uh, look at all the um, flying participating aircraft for that show. Absolutely. And the 20th of September, the Brooklands Aviation Day. That's at Brooklands Museum in Surrey. And uh, the 26th, we've got the Great Yorkshire Air Show at Leeds East Airport uh, in North Yorkshire. And the 26th and 27th of September, we've got the Cywell Classic Pistons and Props. That's at Cywell Aerodrome in Northamptonshire. And a last one in September is the the 27th of September is the Brooklyn's Great War 100th Commemoration. And that's at the Brooklyn's Museum in Surrey. And they're going to commemorate the 100th anniversary of the Great War with displays on the ground and in the air from uh, the Great War display team. Cool. So there we go. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, uh, just before we bring the show to uh, a close then, uh, lots of ways to get in touch with the show as always. Uh, The main way to do that, obviously, is via our website with our fantastic new Contact Us page, and that is allthews.plaintalkinguk.com. Click on the tab that says uh, Contact, and then you can just fill in a form and get in contact with us directly. Uh, uh, Facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk, and our Twitter handle is at plaintalkinguk. If you want to get in touch with Pip, obviously, for the fantastic Plane Safety Podcast, his website is all the W's, Plane Safety Podcast, all as one word, dot com. Awesome. So don't forget to get in contact with us, send us your emails, send us your messages, either via the website or mm-hmm. via Facebook. Yep. Um, and also don't forget to uh, follow us on Twitter as well. Yeah. And, of course, YouTube. Yeah. And YouTube, yes. yes we've got YouTube, YouTube as well. Yes. I know. YouTube. Uh, so thanks everyone who's joined us in the chat room for this episode and uh, thanks to everyone who's downloading the show each week mm. and uh, enjoying our show me and Matt obviously do this as a, as a labour of love mm. um, I love doing the show each week yeah, it, and I just it, do as I'm told it is, some, <laughs> it, yeah, it is something I really do genuinely look forward yeah. to each week mm. uh, doing yeah. the show I really do yeah, um, yeah. it uh, 
The, I don't know what the wife thinks about it, but um, she's, she's <laughs> fortunately work, she's though. usually at work, so it's less of a yes. problem than you'd think. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, uh, but no. Join yeah. us next week then for episode yeah. seventy-seven yeah. of the show. Yeah. And uh, we'll have loads more news, and probably Pip will be back with another segment. On oh yes, of course he will. Yes, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. The kids are back now. So he's got no back, excuse yeah, anymore. He's he's no. he shot his own he's he shot his own uh, excuse <laughs> in the foot, hasn't he? But uh, yes. So from so, you, Carlos. So from me, Carlos. It is a. I've got to take all this apart now and put away. <laughs> it's a. But you are off to a barbecue. I'm off to a barbecue. Yeah, yeah. It's a uh, sunny-ish. Uh, yeah. Goodbye and have a good weekend. Indeed. And, and from you, from, Matt. And from me, Matt, uh, it's uh, looking forward to seeing all those. If you are at the Seething Air show tomorrow, don't be afraid, don't be shy. Come and say come hello because we want to make sure that we're meeting you wonderful <laughs> listeners out there. So, yeah, make sure you come and say hello. I just realised every time I look at the camera, I look like a rabbit in headlights. Okay. I've got so much going on with these cameras. Anyway, yes, uh, okay. yes, can't wait. Uh, can't wait. If you are there tomorrow, uh, then it'll be a great pleasure to come and meet you. So, if you are free and available, make sure you get over to Seeding Air Show tomorrow. So, that's it then. That is it, yes. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Bye.